right, guys. Well, we are continuing in our uh, Firm Foundation series. Um, and the goal of this series is to explain foundational truths about who Jesus is and how we relate to him. And the series' big idea is this. Having a firm foundation will help us to have a firm faith. So last week, Taylor talked about the foundational truth that Jesus is fully God. We learned that we can trust in the fullness of God and do not need to rely on other truths to find completion. He talked about how in Jesus we find belonging, fulfillment, and completion. And the big idea was this. The believer is made whole because Jesus is fully God. So the foundational truth for this week that we're going to be diving into is that Jesus is fully human. Now sometimes when we think of Jesus, we could think of him as just being God. Or maybe when we think of Jesus, you may think he's maybe like half God, half human. However, the truth that scripture teaches us is that Jesus is both 100% God and 100% human. Jesus is fully God and fully human at the same time. Today, we're going to discuss why this is a significant truth for us to know and what it means for us today. And I'm really excited, really excited about this message. Um, as I was beginning to write this sermon, though, I felt slightly overwhelmed because there's so many things that we could talk about in regards to Jesus being human. We could talk about how Jesus needed to be a human so that he could live the perfect sinless life that we were created to live. We could talk about how Jesus needed to be human so that he could live in obedience to God and fulfill all God's commands. We could talk about the sacrifice that Jesus willingly made to come down from heaven and take on human form. However, tonight we're not going to dive into these topics too extensively, but later on in the weeks to come, we will be able to talk about these more in depth, um, about each different aspect of Jesus' humanity and why they're important. But tonight we're going to focus on specifically two things. First, we're going to look at a text in Hebrews that helps us to answer this question. Why did Jesus need to be fully human? And then second, we're going to look at how Jesus' humanity impacts how we relate to him. So let's start with asking and answering the question, why did Jesus need to be fully human? We're going to look to the Bible to answer this question. Uh, we're first going to be looking at a few verses found in the book of Hebrews. And let me give you guys some really quick context um, leading up to these verses. So there was confusion among the believers about whether Jesus was an angel or a spiritual being. But the writer of Hebrews is teaching that Jesus is not an angel or merely a spiritual being, but rather that Jesus is, like we just talked about, both fully God and fully human. And the author talks about why this is important for them to know. So if everybody could please stand. Gracie's going to come up and she's going to be reading our text tonight. We're going to be in Hebrews 2 starting in chapter, sorry, Hebrews chapter 2 starting verse 14. All right, here's Gracie. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not, angel, not angels he helps, but Abraham's death. Oh, Abraham's descendants, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful, oh, my bad, became, become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement 
for the sins of people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Great job, Gracie. Let's give her a round of applause. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, so from this text, we see that Jesus had to become human. The scripture says that Jesus needed to become human to break the power of death. But what does that mean? So in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, we see at the beginning of all creation, God had a perfect plan for humanity. They lived in a beautiful creation full of life and everything good. In the beginning, there was no fear of death because humanity was not created to die. Rather, they were created to live forever in perfect relationship with creation, with humanity, and with God. But when the first humans, Adam and Eve, chose to be disobedient and rebel against God, rebel against God's good plan for them, through their sin, through this sin entered into the world, and the consequences of their choice and actions was death for all humanity. And we find this in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. And in the following weeks, we will discuss this topic more in depth as well. But for tonight, what I want us to see is that the power of death came as a result of sin. Death was not something that God intended us to experience from the beginning. There's a verse in Romans chapter 5 that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The price of humanity's sin was death. Since sin entered the world, humanity has been subject and enslaved to the power of death. Here is what the power of death looks like. Death brings separation in our relationships with each other and with God. Death causes fear, causes destruction, it causes guilt and shame. Guilt steals, death steals and destroys. All of these things, all of these are things that at the beginning of creation, humanity did not experience until sin came into the world. So because humanity was enslaved to the power of death, God in his mercy and grace desired to redeem us from that power. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, as we just read, says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angel he, he helps, but the descendants of Abraham." For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people. The scripture teaches that God had to share in his children's humanity. He had to take on flesh and blood to break the power of death. And as we talked about before, the price of humanity's sin was death. The price that needed to be paid in order for humanity to be freed from the power over them. Sorry. The price needed to be paid in order for humanity to be free of its power over them. And the scripture says that Jesus had to share in our humanity. He had to take on flesh and blood. He had to be made like us. He had to be fully human in every way. Why? Jesus needed to become a human being to be able to die in our place. 
The price of our sin was death, and Jesus had to pay that price for us through dying. Jesus had to be made human to be able to die. And in becoming human, Jesus was able to pay the debt of our sin and free us from the power of death. And next week, we'll be talking about why we are unable to pay that price ourselves. And in later weeks, we will talk more about why Jesus was the only person who could pay that price. But tonight, what I want us to know is that the scripture teaches that Jesus had to be made human in order to pay the price for our sins. A couple of verses earlier in Hebrew says, Jesus suffered death so that the grace of God, Jesus suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The scriptures also say that Jesus became our high priest. But what does that mean? I have a quote that I think will help us to understand a little bit better. In the Jewish culture, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. The Jewish high priests were humans and they represented us before God. So Jesus became human in order to be our perfect high priest, representing us before God and offering a sacrifice for our sin. So as a high priest, Jesus was able to be our representation before God. He was able to take our place. He was able to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. So to answer the question we started out with, why did Jesus need to be fully human? We see that humanity's sin costed a price. The price was death. We ourselves could not pay that price but Jesus paid that price for us through his life and death as a human. Therefore, Jesus needed to be fully human because Jesus' humanity is necessary for our salvation. Now that we know part of the reason why Jesus needed to be human, let's look at how Jesus' humanity impacts how we relate to him. So I have a second question I want us to unpack. What does it mean that Jesus is human? So let's take a look at the different aspects of Jesus' humanity. From scripture, we see that Jesus was born of a woman. He started as an infant like us all and grew physically, intellectually, and spiritually as he got older. He experienced hunger and thirst. He experienced temptation. He experienced pain and suffering. He had brothers and sisters just like us. He had friends. He experienced emotions like weeping, compassion, anger, joy. He needed sleep. And ultimately, he died as a human being. Jesus was fully human. He was a human just like you and I, except without sin. Sometimes I think that I think I said this earlier, but I think that we can see Jesus as purely God and forget the human part of him. And I know that I have. But like we talked about earlier, Jesus was truly 100% God and 100% human. Scripture shows that, words, scripture shows us that Jesus experienced the human limitations that we experience. So what does this mean for us? I want you guys to think about something with me. So do you know that moment when you meet a new person or you're talking with a friend and you find something you both have in common? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so maybe you're talking with them and you find out that you were born in the same state or you were born on the same day or you both have five brothers, which is crazy, or you both have played the same sport since you were a kid or they love the same band as you. The list could go on and on and on. 
For me, it was always finding someone who had a parent who was in the military, and that person knew the struggle of what it was like to move around your whole entire life. Side note, it really sucks. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys a question, and I would like a few answers. How does it make you feel when you find out you have something in common with another person? Anna. Oh, I love that. Say that again. Louder. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I found a conversation starter. Um, I find it, like, better because then, like, when you have something in common, if it's, like, a hard struggle, you, like, feel more willing to open up about it and, like, they'll understand and be there to comfort you. Absolutely. couple more. couple more. Allie? It's a sense of relief because you're not the only one and you have something to talk about so you're not awkward. <laughs> That's good. That's true. Okay. We'll do a couple more. Makes me feel like I'm not the only one without something or with something. That's good. All right, one more. Kyan? It gives me a real sense of, like, love and compassion between the other person. It, it just feels comforting to know that they're also going through the same thing or they know the same thing, and we can relate on that subject, and it really feels nice. Yes, I fully agree. Those were great answers. So when we find common ground, when we have shared experiences, we ultimately feel connected. We all desire to have people in our lives who relate to us, who understand what it is like to go through what we've been through, whether good experiences or bad experiences. And sometimes I think we can view God as someone who doesn't get us and who doesn't understand us. And let me tell you, that thought is valid. And I have definitely been there. I know what it is like to think that God has no idea what it is like to go through what I've been through. Let me give you guys an example that you may be able to relate to. So you know how sometimes when you're having an interaction with a parent or a grandparent or just an adult who's like significantly older than you and you think they don't understand, they don't get it, they don't know me, they don't know my life, they don't know what I've been through, they don't know what it's like to experience what I'm experiencing. I've been there. I've thought the exact same thing. And I want to share a story of a personal experience that I have because I wonder if some of you will be able to relate. So a little bit about me that you guys may or may not know um, is that growing up, I struggled really, really bad with anxiety and depression. Um, I had my first panic attack when I was 10 years old, but I remember feeling anxious even before then, just riddled with anxiety. Um, and so because of this, my mom wanted to have me go to counseling and, and see a therapist to try to help me. And um, from the time I was 10 to the time I was 20, I went to therapy like once a week, every week. So I'm well acquainted with therapy. But I vividly remember um, this time when I was 14 years old and I was sitting across um, 
the room from my therapist, and I started feeling really fed up. I was really angry because um, she was telling me all the different solutions to my problems. And it was something along the lines of you need to eat better, you need to exercise, you need to surround yourself with the right people, try these breathing exercises, so on and so forth. And I was done. I was done. And finally, I had enough, and I looked straight at her, and I said, do you know what it is like to have anxiety? Do you know what it is like to have depression? Do you know what it is like to not be able to get yourself out of bed in the morning? Do you know what it is like to be screaming, crying, hyperventilating, sprawled out on the floor because you're so anxious? I said that to her because I was just done. It was done. And I said, because if not, I don't care what you have to say. And I say, I said this to my therapist that I meant every word. And what I want you to hear from this is that I know what it's like to be misunderstood. I know what it's like to feel like nobody gets it. Nobody understands me. Nobody knows what I've been through. Nobody knows what this is like. And to feel like I don't want to listen to a word anybody has to say unless they have. As humans, we crave to be understood. We crave for someone to get us, for someone to know us. And I want you guys to hear me when I say that I fully believe that Jesus can be that person for you. Jesus is that person for me. And I want to tell you something really, really cool tonight. Jesus actually does get it. He gets you. He knows what it's like to go through his experience on earth as a human and to walk through what you're walking through. I want to tell you guys, I, I, you might be thinking, okay, you're just saying that, but I want you to hear this. Jesus grew up poor. Jesus moved from place to place. During the last few years of his life, Jesus had no home at all. Jesus knew what it was like to feel immense sadness and heartbreak. Jesus knew what it was like to lose somebody he loved. Jesus experienced his friends lying to him, leaving him and stabbing him in the back. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. Jesus knew what it was like to be abandoned and forgotten about. Jesus knew what it was like to be hated. He knew what it was like to have tension with his family, to be drained and burnt out. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer and to go through really, really hard things. And I wonder as I list these things, if any of those resonated with you. If you were like, I'm experiencing that too. I know a lot of these resonated with me. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus gets you. He knows you. He understands you. He fully knows you. He fully knows you and loves you. Jesus can relate to you. Jesus knows what it's like to go through what you're going through. Jesus gets you. What I want to tell you is this, not only does Jesus know what it is like to go through what you're going through, but he deeply cares. He deeply cares. So to wrap up this message, I want to leave you guys with two big ideas. Number one, it was necessary for Jesus to become human for us to have salvation. Jesus deeply understands us because of his humanity.
So I'm gonna give you guys some instructions for our response. We have some papers and pens for you guys up here on both sides. What I would like for us to do is to come and get, not right now, in a second, to come and get those papers and pens to spread out throughout the room. Jordan's gonna be playing up here. I want us to spend some time writing out the ways that we feel misunderstood. What's, what are the areas of your life that you feel like no one understands me? So we're gonna take about five minutes or so. We're gonna go do that. And then we're gonna go into small groups. 